Yes, I know. I can tell it's cold. It's freezing cold. I can't go out. Not like there's any place to go anyway. And I've already finished everything on Netflix. Yes, I finished Netflix. I... Oh, hi, it's Pete Pomisano, and welcome to another edition of RLTP's Off-Road. Oh, I hate to keep saying it over and over again, but we've got another great episode for you here on Off-Road. This week, as it is my goal to try to also learn you some things, I have an interview with Clotilde Diedecker. Clotilde is the head of the Community Foundation of Greater Buffalo. I know you've never heard of this, but this is something that touches your life every day, whether you know it or not. Because these are the people who help determine where funding, where philanthropic funding for all sorts of things in the Buffalo area, where this funding is allocated. This is what they do. Funds from like the Ralph C. Wilson Foundation, who have done so much in the Buffalo area, they determine where a lot of this funding goes. They help them decide where philanthropic money goes. And philanthropic money is the lifeblood of any community. So you're going to hear all about it from Clotilde, a very interesting woman who really knows her stuff and really cares about this community. And speaking about caring for your community, let's do another to-go segment. And this week, it's with ensemble member Daryl Schneider, one of the great playwrights in Buffalo, one of our local playwrights. And Daryl's going to tell us where he and his wife like to go for takeout. Listen, I won't keep you too long, but... Yeah, the two restaurants I'm talking about, one is about a 20-second walk from where I live, Mythos, a Greek restaurant that's been around for years on Elmwood Avenue. Elmwood near what? Utica. Elmwood? Elmwood okay. Utica. Yeah, I think I know where that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, go ahead. They've been around for a long time. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, my wife and I have been going there for many years. And, yeah, we've been doing some takeout last year. Eat it now, social distancing. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, you know, everything's fine. Uh, the service is really good. If you go there, you know, my wife once in a while says, oh, I should get a cheeseburger. But if you go there, get the Greek dinners. (laughs) (laughs) I highly recommend. I usually get the beef Slovaki dinner. Sometimes I like the gyro dinner. My wife loves a chicken Slovaki. And after I met the chicken, I don't know what to do with that chicken. It is so tender. Really? Highly recommend the chicken Slovaki. And I also recommend for years, we always got the French fries as a side. But... (laughs) I'm telling you, don't get the French fries. Get the Greek potatoes. <laughs> I don't know what they do to them. They must marinate uh, them or something. Yeah, yeah. What does a souvlaki dinner consist of? Obviously, you said the chicken, Greek potatoes. What else? You could get your Greek salad. You get Greek salad with it, and Greek you get salad. a pita bread. And you get a pita, pita bread. And it's reasonable. They're about $18 for a dinner, for a beef souvlaki dinner or for the chicken souvlaki dinner. Mm-hmm. My wife does like to get the uh, the combo, beef and chicken, so lucky. Uh, combo is pretty good also. Yeah, yeah. And they give you some sauces on the side. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. So yeah. that's your favorite dish there. Now, this sounds like one of these places that's open seven days a week, right? Yeah, they're pretty much, I think they are. It's a diner. It really, my wife made some little notes, but it really is, uh, you know, when you go there, look, it's a diner. Okay. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, but diner. that's, I love diners. I go to diners. Well, I used to go to diners all the two two favorite diners I have in Hamburg. I would try to get there to each one of them at least once a week. Right. My wife here's her note. Here's here is my wife's note. They good. have fancier entrees, but basically it's a diner and a good diner. <laughs> <laughs> also try the fish fry. 
Oh, all right. Okay. And also get the Mythos beer when you go there. If you go there, get the myth. If you're in alcohol, get a Mythos beer. Really good <laughs> beer. Why not? You know, don't get a Budweiser. Get a Greek beer. Now, uh, do they do? Uh, do you go in to get takeout, or do they carry it out to you? We did takeout last year, but yeah, we went inside, put the mask on, you know, and all that sure. stuff. Sure. Out to you. But now that they're open, yeah, we've been. I think we went there a few weeks back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they sit you at a nice table i gotta tell you on the you know we usually like to go on a friday after the end of a long week mm-hmm. what a great way to just finish the weekend just go there no dishes <laughs> oh yeah just chill out yeah and reasonably priced great food you can't you can't go wrong yeah and they really like the waitresses you know i tip them well they they treat you really really good there that's cool like okay, it. so that's that's uh, Elmwood near near Utica. Utica. Okay, yeah, and again, they have everything else. You know, breakfast pancakes, omelets, you name it. Oh, one other thing they have is the baked spanakopita, which is a spinach and feta. I love spanakopita, and, yeah. and they put it in a swirl, Pete, and it's so. Oh, <laughs> oh it's just. I love it. It's yeah, I haven't like, eaten supper yet. You're making me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I'm going <laughs> to got some leftovers. So, yeah, yeah, I highly recommend that. Yeah. You know what? Let me ask you this. Yeah. Is there, are they a, a franchise? Are there other uh, mythos or is that the that, only one? Not that I know of. I think that's the only one. Okay. Because I've heard of them. And that's unusual oh, okay. for me because I live pretty far away from there. But I've heard of mythos and I thought maybe they had you know, a couple of other places like pizza plant has a couple. Right, of okay. Well, that's a good question. Maybe they do. I not, I'm not a national finish. chain, but you know, just a local, like yes. you said, a local diner that's done really well. Yeah. So they open up a, a second shop. Yeah. Okay. What's the, what's the second yeah. place you want to talk about? Oh, it's a little chain. It still has that, you know, middle Eastern flair to it. It is called Alibaba kebab, Alibaba kebab. Okay. You got me on this one. I don't know who this is. It is on William street and Fillmore. Okay. William and film are not too far away from the central terminal. Not okay. that far away from that. All right. And wow, they got this <laughs> Middle Eastern with the Indian flair to it. I just love that place. Yeah. Give me some examples of, of, uh, of the food there that you really like. Yeah. We like to get, if you go there, we like the curry options. You're going to get a curry dinner. It's $27 and change. It's two meals. I mean, it is, you have leftovers for the next day. If you're going to go there, I highly recommend get some type of family pack or we get the curry option. And, you know, they have chicken tikka, chicken curry. They have beef curry, shrimp curry. I, we like to get the roasted eggplant curry. That's Ooh, really that sounds good. very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the Palak paneer, P-A-L-A-K paneer. It's a spinach paneer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. Yeah, it's so, spinach and cheese. This place also does takeout, yes? It is pretty much strictly takeout. They have a couple tables there, people, and I'm telling you. Yeah. Okay. You go there. By the way, there, you know, there's really no bathroom in there, so go ahead of time. Uh, get, they get, have your food and get, get your food and get out. Get your food and get out. And they have a nice app, I think the Grubhub app I use. And, you know, you could get there, say you want to pick it up in 20 minutes. I got to tell you something. They're generally, you go there, you're there within 20 minutes, it's there. That sounds great. Yeah, it's great. Really good food. couple things I do want to mention. I highly recommend get an order of the rice, which is a yellow rice with saffron and all these herbs. Oh, my God. Oh, I love, I love yellow rice. That sounds great. We highly recommend the fried okra for a side. No kidding. It's, right. uh, it's a little vegetable, a, you know, green vegetable, like a pod. And that's really good. I've never had it, but it sounds good. 
Yeah. yeah. And also they give you a lot of bread with the original order, but I get the garlic naan, which is just, <laughs> oh my God. I don't, it's, it's big as an elephant ear. What I told my wife, Oh my God, <laughs> huge. You're going to have a lot of bread left over, but I generally, you could use a fork when you eat this food, but I like to just take the garlic, garlic naan, just rip that apart. And mm-hmm. By the way, they give you, they do give you all kinds of naan with your family packs. So you're all set for bread, but I like to get an order of the garlic knot for $2.50. You get a oh, you can't go wrong. crap of it. And uh, like I said, I just use that to eat, eat my food. I don't really don't use a fork when I eat this food. Sure, I, sure. So this is more or less just like a storefront, right? Yes, can, it is. Just yeah. like a, there's a counter in there. You go yeah. in, well, assuming yeah. you order ahead of time, go in, pick up your stuff and get out. <laughs> <laughs> and get out and i highly recommend do not call them on the phone to place an order do not go in person and say i want to place an order because like they're just really busy and it's going to take a long time you just use the app order on your phone or on your computer I and what's and, and what is it the grubhub app did you say i think it's the grubhub yeah that's that's what i use it's really okay. good it's easy to set up yeah very cool and so that's all right so that's ali say the name again alibaba alibaba kebab Alibaba Ali kebab. kebab. Okay. Well, I'm going to cut you short because now you've made me so hungry now. <laughs> Just talking to you. That sounds great. You know what? Yeah. Both of those, and nobody's talked about those yet, and they sound like exactly what we want. The, you know, the takeout. Yeah. Fast, easy, cheap. You know, not cheap. Let's not call it cheap. Let's say reasonably priced, yeah. inexpensive, and you always end up having... More than more than one meal out of it. You will have leftovers and the curry sauces. Oh my god, from Alibaba Kebab, they're just great, Pete. It, oh it, man, like I, different I sauce. might go, I might call there tomorrow night. It, it's just oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I've got I bought takeout yesterday from yeah. uh, Ilio de Palos. Oh neat. Which is just down the not just down the street. It's it's uh, ten minutes from me. Yeah, and, okay. and they're in Blaisdell, and I. Yep. And I always get two entrees because I'm just eating by myself. But I, I hate yeah. just ordering takeout and all. All you're going to give them is 20 bucks. So I get two entrees. I always get something I know I can reheat. There, there you go. The appetizer that I know I can reheat. Yeah. They they must have given me a pound of pasta with, <laughs> with this this shrimp fra diavolo I got. The pasta was like this, Daryl. I'm, oh I'm not kidding you. I got enough for two <laughs> meals there. And then I got a shrimp scampi. That oh. was just stacked with pasta like this. So so I, I, I got to finish that before I go to Alibaba's kebab. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, you're gonna like it there. Well, yeah. thank you, my friend. I oh, appreciate thank it. You. I'm it, glad it, I got the charities places with you. Oh, okay. Great. great. Thanks a lot. You have a good night. Enjoy Thanks, your meal. Man. Take care. Thank Darryl. you very much. You take care, everybody. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Two more fine establishments for you to get takeout because you know. Even though the restaurants are open again, they're open at a very limited capacity, and that can't be helping them very much. So if you get takeout and stay safe, here are another couple of great restaurants for you to get takeout. Uh, Highly, highly endorsed by Mr. Schneider. And I also uh, want to endorse Ilio de Palos. If you're in the South Towns area in Blaisdell near Hamburg, Ilio de Palos is the one that I went to last week brought the stuff right out to the car. You just text them. You say, I'm here. They say, we'll be right out. And the food comes out nice and hot right off the stove and you take it home and it's delicious. And as I said before, there's also like a pound of pasta with each one. So if you're watching your weight, 
just, you know, just hold off on the pasta and we have like a quarter of it tonight and a quarter of it the next night. You don't have to eat all the pasta all at once. That's not the rule, you know. So now let's sneak in a quick surprise guest, Mr. Dudney Joseph. I met this man only recently, to be honest with you, when I was doing Sweeney Todd over there at the Cav, and I just thought he was a terrific human being, and he's got a voice like velvet. I could listen to him sing all day long. So I wanted to introduce you to Dudney Joseph, one of our great actor-singers, he has now moved on to New York, where I'm sure he's going to be very successful. But let's let's hear from him first about a favorite role in Buffalo. So tell me, what was your favorite role in, in memory? In memory, favorite role is uh, Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horror. That's <laughs> by far my favorite role. Now, it's also because I found that this role has become like a checkpoint in my life. Mm-hmm. So... Funny story, like 2007, I went to Johnson Rose University because I wanted to go into marketing communications. Like music was all always a passion, but I was like, oh, I don't think I can do that. I think I have to do, you know, something else. So I decided to go to Johnson Wales and then they had this troupe, the JW play, JWU players. I auditioned, got in, and then I'm, I'm telling you, I started playing the role, going through rehearsals, and I was like, oh, I... I gotta leave. I gotta go to I gotta go to music school or something. I can't, this isn't, you know, the right spot for me. <laughs> so I ended up leaving. And and so then that was, you know, great. And then I left. And then when I came back to Buffalo, Alt Theater did it. And they did it for the second time. And that was like my first show getting back into the Buffalo theater scene. Mm-hmm. And I was so then that kind of, you know, I started to get my name out there and work, you know, all different places. And obviously, like, I mean, that experience too was wild because it was the first time I had Brett uh, Runyon. Did Brett Runyon, the, yes. Yeah, yes. did the costume design and the prop design. And it was just, and Zach Commissar was, you know, doubled over in this huge thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> flopping all around, you know, mimicking my affectations, all of my voice and sound effects. It was just, it was incredible. And then the last time was just this last fall with Starring Buffalo. I, I did it again. And that was when I decided to move to New York City. So each time I've done it, it's been like a shift oh, in my life. Like a it's pivot crazy. point. You know, yeah. okay, I'm doing this, now I'm over here. And now yeah. I'm doing this. How yeah. interesting. Did you enjoy the role itself? Oh, the role, my, I love it. So the latest version with Starring Buffalo is probably my favorite because since it was supposed to be a stage greeting, they had me on stage playing Audrey. So I'm like getting as animated as I want. I mean, even when he grows limbs, we came up with, we all came up with the idea that he just became like the celebrity. So I came out like a green fur coat and like that. Oh, how fun. I mean, it was, I which honestly, I think that I've seen, I've heard of a few other productions that have changed the role to female and they've made Audrey to a female and she, and they have a woman like come out of the, the butt of the flower. The, so the flower itself. Yeah. Yeah. So they're starting to do that. They're starting to, you know, like have air characters on stage, which I would, I just love to be able to do that moving forward rather than, you know, being on a stool behind the scenes. But even so I'd still take it either way. It's just wild. It's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned a, a role where you're really not even that visible and it's one of your favorites Oh yeah, for a variety of reasons. First of all, because it was like a turning point in your life each time you did it, but, but also because it was just a hell of a lot of fun. 
yeah it, it's just a blast yeah i think the the he's the wino in the beginning for downtown and that's yeah. the only it, only if you know the show you know that that's who's playing the voice of the plant you know oh, that's so it's, fun it's pretty cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. so are we gonna see are we gonna see more videos of you you're gonna put post some uh, some uh, singing videos on facebook they're just beautiful thank you my friend yes i'm hoping so i you know something like when i was and i got down to new york i brought this and fit everything into one suitcase so then i finally <laughs> brought my keyboard back with me and i've kind of got you know a bit of uh, you know longer roots or stronger roots yeah. uh this this time so yeah i'm I, it's just that's something that has just been food for my soul during the pandemic yeah. i'm gonna let you go Duddy. thanks so <laughs> much right. for doing this thanks for having me it's such a pleasure take care my friend you too and we'll see you soon bye-bye now Bye-bye. Mr. Dudney Joseph, I'm telling you, what a great guy. And what a lovely man he is, and what a terrific voice. Go to his Facebook page. Every now and then he posts a, a song or something that, oh, it's just lovely. And if he comes back to town, try to catch him in a show. So we go from uh, one great man to one great woman, Clotilde D. Decker. This woman is the CEO of the Community Foundation of Greater Buffalo, and I'm telling you, when you hear the story of what they do, you're going to see that a lot of Buffalo's future is in their hands. Here's Clotilde D. Decker. Before we start on anything, I would like you to explain what the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo does, because I... I'm guessing that I'm not the only idiot who knows nothing about the foundation, and it's incredibly important and incredibly active in our community. So, well, I think what you'll see, Peter, is that you actually know a lot about it. It's just not necessary, you know. As you say, we work with and through mm -hmm. um, other people. You know, that is our unique role. Um, we're a philanthropic town square for Western New York. That's an interesting way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, we're a foundation of foundations. We're one of the oldest community foundations in the world, founded in 1919. Mm -hmm. So we have deep local knowledge uh, about this community for over a century. And we, our role is to support uh, the charitable goals of our clients. So individuals, families, foundations that do their giving through us that invest long-term charitable assets with us. And then um, we're their back office. They do their giving through us. That is at, at the highest level, 50,000 foot. We, that's our, uh, the, what kind of an organization we do when we invest long-term charitable assets for individuals, families, foundations, and organizations. And we also support the charitable giving of our clients, not only during their lifetime, but after their lifetime. So they set up perpetual legacies through us and we honor with great fidelity their intent and their charitable wishes in their name forever while we continue to invest and grow their long-term charitable assets through endowments. That's amazing. So you, when you say you're a foundation of foundations, you're a foundation that is made up of many other- Over 1,000. 
Over 1,000. That's amazing. Well, we've been at it for a long time, over a century. Over 100 years, yes. (laughs) But can you, do do you then, when people come to you or when groups or foundations come to you, do you help them determine where their money can be most valuably used? If they want that help, it is completely driven by the client, the relationship. Some clients uh, simply want us to send a check when they want to send it for whatever amount they want to send it into whatever nonprofit they want to send it to either in the region nationally or internationally. Other clients uh, ask for thought partnership in how to achieve their goals. And so we certainly provide philanthropic consulting for those that, that request it. Now you've been the president and CEO of the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo since 2005? Well, so my relationship with the foundation is interesting. I started out as a volunteer, a member of the board. Then I went off the board. I was recycled uh, to come (laughs) back and uh, lead the the team, uh, which has been an incredible journey. I've been with the foundation now uh, as staff for 15 years. Wow. Going on 16 years this year. So it really has been an incredible journey of growth. And what powers the foundation, Peter, is the generosity in this community. This is an incredibly generous community. Yes. And that is, we are here to service that generosity. You started as a volunteer, you say. What made you even get, I, I've, I've read through all of your bio information. You've been in volunteerism, philanthropy and volunteerism for practically your whole life. What made yes. you get involved with, with the, the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo? Well, um, I was asked by uh, another member of the board. Um, so, you know, I've really... I came to this profession through my volunteer work. You're very astute in picking that up. (laughs) I'm a teacher by profession, and I have my master's in education from UB and an undergraduate in... Me too. um, (laughs) Oh, great. And then my undergraduate degrees from Canisius College. And all the while um, I was working as a teacher, I got very involved in volunteerism and, and the Junior League of Buffalo was actually my, one of my initial volunteer opportunities. Um, and through that organization, I really got to learn the community, had other opportunities like Leadership Buffalo to really deepen my understanding of the community. And um, I worked in county government for four years with the Commission on the Status of Women, And that was yet another opportunity to understand uh, local government, which is such a critical partner in our community change efforts, uh, continues to be in our work with the Community Foundation. We are, you know, so we work through partnerships at the Community Foundation, but I I did come to the Community Foundation through my volunteer uh, work and It really has been an incredible, continues to be an incredible learning journey because community is a very dynamic organism and you are forever learning. And and what I find is the more I learn, the less I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what this podcast has taught me. There's so much going on that I don't know about. Please continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. And that is um, our board is very much of a learning board. They lead the work of the Community Foundation. Um, As I shared with you earlier, Peter, so we honor the charitable legacies of our clients. And there is a group of clients that charge our board through their legacies, so through a will, to use the spending from their 
endowments to address the changing needs of this community over time. I see. So most clients will actually leave very specific directions on how they want their charitable legacy to um, be supported, specific organizations, specific issue areas they want to support. But other clients say, look, perpetuity is a long time. The needs of today may not be the same as the needs of tomorrow, sure. much less 100 years from now. And we want the board to strategically deploy the spending from our perpetual endowments to address the most critical needs and opportunities of this community over time. So that is the other portion of what we do. We lead community change through a deep strategic approach to deploying these precious charitable changing needs dollars to address the, the greatest challenges and to come up with innovative solutions, big, bold solutions uh, through partnerships and collaboration. So that's the other part of the work that we do in addition to supporting the charitable goals of our clients. And in fact, it is supporting the charitable goals of those clients that have charged us with this duty. You know, I want to get back to some of these, uh, some of the things that the, that the Community Foundation does support, but I'm fascinated by you personally, if I could just get back to one thing, because sure. not everybody, what is there in your background that makes you, that got you toward volunteerism, that got you working in this area in a million years? I would never have considered philanthropy or or even volunteerism. There must be something about your I don't know, your upbringing, your family, your, your, your story that led you to want to be doing this incredibly precious work. Well, uh, my family and I came to Buffalo as Cuban exiles through the Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program. Ah. And for the first two years of our stay here in Buffalo, we were completely provided for by the public safety net, and by uh, charitable dollars. So philanthropic dollars from people who gave to Catholic charities and, and never knew my family. Mm. So as you might imagine, um, I hold a deep personal debt of gratitude to this community for the open arm welcome that was extended to us uh, as we got our sea legs, if you will, <laughs> and um, and got up on our own and were able to become fully contributing members of this community. So whenever a volunteer opportunity presented itself, I was delighted to help. And in that process, um, I think that anyone who volunteers will share with you that you always get back so much more than you're ever able to give. Mm. It is a truly a wonderful journey of meeting new people who share uh, an interest with you, a passion with you, and um, to continue to learn about the various dimensions of your community. So I love people and I love learning. So volunteerism was a natural activity for me and I got more and more and more involved. And it was through volunteerism that I ended up serving in county government uh, through my networks and connections that I made and serving on boards and leading different organizations and certainly the path that led me to the Community Foundation Board and then eventually to the Community Foundation uh, staff. Well, thank you, Clotilde. That makes 
perfect sense to me now. And it's so important to hear that kind of story, I believe. But people who came here with with very little or nothing and then were helped and then are now paying it back. It's it's just a beautiful Beautiful story. Okay, I, I, I didn't mean to take you through your whole life history, but that, no, that, my that is fascinating. Well, and it is, you know, we did arrive with $10 hidden in my brother's clothing. Um, <laughs> oh, you were so, holding out the $10, huh? <laughs> absolutely. Well, that was, a, you know, that was, a, I think, a, an indicator of hope. Sure. And that and the and the great appeal of the American dream that has very much uh, been a reality for our family. And and why uh, Buffalo? Can I just ask that? Or yes, was it they uh, great, reached out? Great question. Uh, so uh, UB. Ah. UB, my dad had been a practicing dentist for 15 years and UB had a special program uh, in the dental school for foreign graduates, whereby they could revalidate their degrees in an accelerated program. Mm-hmm. So dad was able to do that in two years. And then he was invited to stay on as faculty at the university and the rest is history, as they say. Wow. That, that, again, <laughs> just a great story. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I promised I wasn't going to keep you all day. So let's talk briefly. And you've already hit upon this a little bit about the four goals of the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo that you sort of use as your template for your for the programs. Our mission is to connect people, ideas and resources to improve lives in Western New York. That describes what we do each and every day. And our our long-term goal for these very precious, flexible assets um, is a vibrant and inclusive greater Buffalo region with opportunity for all. So when we we get there, uh, we'll know we have succeeded. So that opportunity for all is not insignificant because The only way that we can continue to accelerate a growing economy in this community, despite the challenges of COVID, we will come out of this and we will come out of it stronger. We we need all hands on deck. So our human capital, the people in our community, that's what we focus on. So let me give you a a few of the data points, uh, Peter, that inform the board's thinking in identifying these priority strategic goals. 50% of the residents in the city of Buffalo are people of color, and then 20% in the region. And for us, the region is the eight counties of Western New York. That's the area we focus on, the eight counties of Western New York. We uh, unfortunately are still the third poorest large city in America. We have 33% of our K-12 student population, 33% are students of color. We are the seventh most segregated city in America, in, in, which is um, which is a slight improvement. We used to be the sixth, so that's Jeez. one we want to we want to you know continue to drop in that area. And um, we have something called a ninety percent isolation index, Peter. That means that there is a ninety percent probability that if you're a white person living in Western New York, you will not have an interaction with a person of color. Yes. And when you put that against the other statistics I've just shared with you, there is an issue there we need to address with great intentionality because um, our community is becoming more diverse by the minute. And we have a, a continued uh, growth in um, new Americans that are coming to our community in addition to 
uh, the African Americans and Latino Americans, and of course, Native Americans who have been here uh, since the beginning. Yet we are enjoying an economic resurgence. Again, we've been set back with this horrible pandemic, sure. uh, but we will uh, recoup and, and as we do, as we have over the years and, and move forward stronger together. And we um, have some, some very strong historical legacies not only architecturally, but certainly in the civil rights movement, the birthplace of the NAACP via the Niagara movement. We have uh, incredible freshwater assets that we need to protect and restore. And we have a, um, an arts and cultural legacy that is really powerful. Uh, this is a legacy from when we were one of the wealthiest cities in America back at the turn of the of the 20th century. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, there we have a lot of assets to build on and we have a lot of areas of opportunity to focus on. So the goals that we are currently focused on are increasing racial ethnic equity closing the racial equity gaps, making sure that every member of our region is fully engaged so that we can have an expanded, more inclusive economy. Everybody wins with that. Car dealers sell more cars, realtors sell more homes, the tax base is expanded so we can have better public services, stronger libraries, better roads. Everybody wins when we have an expanded, more inclusive economy. And the way to get there is to focus on people and to strengthen and shore up those very strong, unique assets. So our goals are focused on addressing those needs that are really opportunities for continued economic growth and shoring up our assets. And then we understand that our goals are far and away beyond the reach of any one organization, any one foundation any one government agency, and that to really move the needle to achieve those goals is to do it through collaborative partnerships. We convene and facilitate collaborative efforts with community partners, and we do it with government, with business, and with nonprofits, and most importantly, with residents that have lived experience in these specific areas. So we convene, we set the table, we bring people together to achieve big shared goals. One quick question. You talk about your clients. Do the clients seek you out or do you actively go out into the community or into the world searching for clients who have foundational money that can be somehow brought into the community foundation and then facilitate using it in different initiatives, such as Say Yes Buffalo. Where do the clients come from? Good, great idea. They come from the eight counties of Western New York and they come through word of mouth mm -hmm. and, a, and a primary um, source of clients for us are accountants, and attorneys. So when, when we all go to meet with our accountant annually to do our taxes and we have aspirations to do charitable giving, an accountant will say, have you considered a relationship with the community foundation? The same thing with trust and estate um, attorneys. When you go to your lawyer to um, think about your will and your legacy, um, your lawyer will say, have you considered the community foundation? And you may ask, Peter, well, why not leave a gift to an organization directly versus leaving it through the community foundation? 
and you're in the theater world. <laughs> so I'll give you a theater example. Perfect. Studio Arena. Yes. Who would have thought uh, Studio Arena, which really was the, the crown jewel of theater in its, in its heyday, would cease to exist? So individuals that gave long-term charitable gifts to Studio Arena, those gifts disappeared. Those that gave to producing theater, right? They gave to Studio Arena through the Community Foundation because they valued producing theater. Mm -hmm. um, those dollars were protected and now they support 710. I see. So that is the, the benefit um, of the Community Foundation that we are here forever and we will honor the client's intent forever. Organizations come and go, even universities come and go, they merge, they disappear. I mean, it, I just heard a report um, that uh, national report that because of the pandemic and the new trends in colleges, that over 400 private colleges nationally will cease to exist because of the dynamics of the pandemic. Sure, sure. You leave it through us for higher education, and we then, our board has the power to ensure that that intent, that client's intent after their lifetime is honored forever with the closest approximation. So that's another example of uh, why you would leave a long-term legacy through the Community Foundation to address the issues and the organizations that you care about forever, because we are in charge of making sure we honor the core of your intent forever, even if an organization ceases to exist. Do you have people who pursue people who might have philanthropic intentions, or do they just come to you? They really do come to us through word of mouth and through professional advisors, such as accountants, wealth managers, and lawyers. Some of these initiatives you're talking about, we could talk about Say Yes Buffalo or, or the Greater Buffalo Racial Equity Roundtable. There's a, there's a million. Are these started by you? Are these sort of initiatives that that you you find, or they are they actually initiated through the Community Foundation? Let's start with Say Yes. Okay. So we spent three years, Peter, researching national best practices on how to improve academic achievement and workforce readiness for students coming from low-income households. And that is how we learned about the Say Yes model. So then we spent another two years convening partners to raise the initial $15 million that we needed to apply to become a Say Yes community. Ah. And so we convened partners like the Oshai Foundation, like the Parents Association, like the school board, like business leaders, and so on and so forth. Eventually, I think every foundation in the region became a partner to help us bring Say Yes um, to, our, to our students. The good news is that in the first eight years of Say Yes, we have taken the high school graduation rate from 49% to 76%. Holy mackerel, that's That would huge. have been impossible for any one organization, any one after school program, any one entity, any one grant, and frankly, any numbers of grants, because what we did is we convened 
the community, the parents, the unions, the school district, including the board and the superintendent, the school board and the superintendent, the foundation community, the county government, city government, higher education. You get the picture. Sure. And this group, we, we convened this table and we started together planning how we were going to do this how we were going to increase the high school graduation rate and the post-secondary matriculation rate, uh, which is, you know, commonly called college, but we mean one-year certificates, two-year associates, or four-year bachelor's degrees. Yes. So it's really a, a broad definition of post-secondary um, so that we could better position young people to earn a, a living and become fully contributing members of their community and reach their potential. The college matriculation rate, broadly defined, again, one year, two year, and four year, has gone up 23% in those eight years. So we have done that together in partnership with the Buffalo Public Schools, with the mayor, with the county executive, with the parents, with the unions, with higher ed. It has been an extraordinary partnership that has been at the table meeting regularly. Uh, now we meet every three weeks, but we are all still at the table managing this very robust partnership uh, to help our students succeed in life. That is a national best practice. Buffalo has become a benchmark city for how to reverse the trends and in, in terms of um, educational achievement. And we all know that the more, the higher the, the educational achievement, the more you earn. And even in tough times right now, even in the midst of this pandemic, it's those of us that have a four-year degree that have the greatest financial stability. So the Say Yes program was actually initiated after some research, actually initiated by you, uh, you personally, by, by the Community Foundation. Yeah, and we, we continue to be um, very engaged with uh, Say Yes. They continue to receive significant funding from us. Uh, the Oshai Foundation was also an early partner who has stayed in the game right through. But now we've been blessed with an extraordinary leader in uh, David Rust and Betsy Behrend, who is his uh, right-hand person, who have now built an organization that is completely independent mm -hmm. and has over eight, has over a hundred employees. So it's become a job generator in, in addition to uh, helping our students succeed in terms of academic achievement um, in Buffalo public and charter schools. And so now we're pivoting to do, uh, to look at those uh, other, you know, 30 some percent of students uh, that are not going on to, uh, that are not graduating and that are not going on to post-secondary to help them with other options in terms of apprenticeships and, and youth employment in general. So right now, through the work of the Racial Equity Roundtable and in partnership with Say Yes, we are focused on youth employment, Peter. Mm. We want to build a robust youth employment system so that our young people ages 14 to 24 are well aware of their options in this community, their job and career options, and understand who can help them get there. We have a, an incredibly committed uh, nonprofit sector that has come together. We have over 30 partners at the table, including city government, county government, 
uh, the Workforce Investment Board, nonprofits such as the Urban League, Catholic Charities, the Service Collaborative. Uh, so you get the picture. Employers such as MT and the Buffalo Bills. And we're partnering with the Oshai Foundation in that effort as well, and the Wilson Foundation, all have come together to build a robust, strong youth employment system that helps young people plan their lives with all the support they need uh, to fulfill their potential and reach for their uh, academic and employment goals. It's funny that you mentioned the Ralph Wilson, uh, the Ralph C. Wilson Foundation, because I, I, in doing my research, I discovered that you also help them with, with their, their foundation. And I just want to say, you know, I was one of those back in the day when we, we were all mad at Ralph because he was cheap. And if, I don't think people are aware of how many, well, I'm, I'm sure they're getting to be more and more aware because there are so many things all of a sudden that are named the Ralph C. Wilson uh, Children's Museum and the Ralph C. Wilson Waterfront Park. How much money he left behind for Detroit and Buffalo, and you are the foundation that helps that money get distributed uh, appropriately. Am, am I correct in saying that? We have a very robust partnership with the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation. They are extraordinary thought partners and incredibly generous um, and committed to this region. Um, right now, as you know, we have convened and have been facilitating the philanthropic response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. And they have been at the table completely committed to working with us, along with over 40 other uh, local foundations uh, to help us respond. Uh, and what you're going to hear about um, early next week, Peter, is that uh, just this week, we are putting out another four and a half million dollars to help nonprofits that are on the front lines meet the basic needs, such as food, transportation, housing, uh, communication, telehealth services, after school care, et cetera, for the people in the eight counties of Western New York. So the COVID-19 Community Response Fund is being facilitated by the Community Foundation and continues to be there with all of our philanthropic partners, including the Ralph C. Wilson Foundation and the Oshai Foundation um, and the Community you know, the Health Foundation, the Tower Foundation, over 40 foundations, Blue Cross Blue Shield, et cetera. There's also a fund for the arts. Is, is that correct? Yes. Uh, so the Fund for the Arts is another initiative that we administer at the Community Foundation, which is a collaborative effort of arts funders to help strengthen the arts and cultural sector as a sector. I see. So we don't do uh, individual grant making to arts and cultural organizations. We support sector-wide organizations such as the Art Services Initiative. Through ASI, uh, the Fund for the Arts made a significant grant to help with an emergency fund to help the arts and culturals uh, through this pandemic, which has been, you know, an incredibly difficult um, moment for the arts and cultural sector, as you well know. I wanted to get back to the COVID-19, the Community Response Fund, and uh, what, what you're focusing on in 2021. Can you tell me anything more about that? Yes. So uh, the 2021 focus for the COVID-19 Community Response Fund is twofold, will continue to be twofold. One is addressing the basic needs in our community, 
we have just completed a round of grant making to over 400 uh, organizations throughout the eight counties to address basic needs in the region. I see. About four and a half million dollars um, will have gone out to address basic needs in this region. We are also looking at long-term systems. How do we strengthen the systems in this community that have um, been exposed to be frail yes. through this pandemic? So for example, food security, how do we build a food security system throughout the eight counties of Western New York that will ensure no one will ever go hungry again and proactively ensure that everyone has access to nutritious food, yes. right? So the food security system is one example. A second example is the digital equity effort. Digital access. Of course, yes. For example, internet ac access, et cetera, right. is now how you learn, how you earn, and how you access medical care. And that will continue to be a reality, Peter, into the future. So we have a, a big collaborative effort looking at closing the digital divide in our region and building more digital equity so that everyone has access. It's the new literacy, right? Sure. It is absolutely, yes, it, is. Uh, it is not a luxury, it is a necessity. So the goals, the goals in 2021 are not just to deal with what has happened, but to focus on what might still happen in the future. Absolutely. To look at all the places where there were weaknesses, all the places where there where things fell apart or did not perform as as you would hope and to plan for the future. Is that Accurate? Absolutely. These are collaborative initiatives um, under the Moving Forward Together effort. It's called Moving Forward Together. So in mm -hmm. addition to basic needs, the Moving Forward Together are collaborative initiatives looking at critical systems um, in this community and how to strengthen them um, as a result of what we've learned through this pandemic, like food security and like the digital divide. Now we're really in the game of big time community change. And one of the finest examples of that collaborative work, Peter, is the work of the Greater Buffalo Racial Equity Roundtable. Okay. And the Greater Buffalo Racial Equity Roundtable now numbers over 250 organizational partners that are arrayed across 10 different initiatives. So there are 10 initiatives and they fall into two categories. Creating the conditions for change, which is helping individuals and organizations learn about how to best lead towards a more racially equitable community that will lead to an expanded local economy, right? So we focus on building the capacity of leaders and organizations through training and learning opportunities. And then we have six major initiatives that are focused on specific systems juvenile justice system, to address the barriers in those systems uh, and remove barriers so that people have more opportunity to succeed. The reentry system for citizens who have paid their dues uh, to society are now reentering and we want them to succeed. 
We don't want them to go back into the criminal justice system and recidivate. We want them to succeed, get a job, begin earning, and move forward with their lives. So how do we help them do that? That's the reentry system. The workforce system, how do we build a more inclusive workforce? Given the statistics I shared with you earlier, how do we build a workforce that represents the fact that we will be con continuing to become more and more diverse and that 33% of our K-12 student population is already people of color. Mm -hmm. How do we build more inclusive cultures in our workplaces so that we can attract more diverse talent into our organizations? So, so those are the types of systems that the roundtable is focused on. Again, with over 250 partners, it is led by the Honorable Rose Sconiers. She is the chair of the Racial Equity Roundtable. And the goal of the roundtable is an expanded, inclusive economy. This has been a real eye-opener for me. And I don't know how you fit any of this into a 24-hour day, because it sounds like the Community Foundation has their, their fingers in all sorts of, not just all, a variety of things, but incredibly critical crucial elements of our of our city, of our region, I, I should say. And there are many other programs that we probably could talk about as well, but I, I, I sort of want to focus a little bit more on just the idea of philanthropy itself, which of course means lover of humanity, lover, lover of people. You said you're a lover of people earlier on. And of course, this, this article about about Mackenzie Scott, for those who don't know, Mackenzie Scott, who was the former wife of Jeff Bezos, and she she donated eight million dollars to the Community Foundation of Buffalo and and all around all around the country. And it got me researching about women. And there was an article in the New York Times this past Sunday. I don't know if you, if I you did. read it, but yeah. about about women in philanthropy and what how women seem to actually give differently than men, like single women give more than single men and women socialize men into giving, they, they, they produce, they, they participate in group giving. I find this fascinating to just even talk about, but can you sort of put your finger on what it is about women in philanthropy that has gotten so much attention recently and has gotten to be such a, a, a vivid example of trying to make the world a better place. Well, historically, Peter, women have always been caregivers. So it's a natural extension from being the caregiver of your family and friends to the caregiver of your community. Of course. Uh, and philanthropy um, is just a, a natural iteration once women entered the workforce and, and became earners. We have a very strong uh, Western New York Women's Foundation that focuses on women and girls this, um, and the economic and social status of women and girls as collaborative leaders working together across the sectors to reach bold goals, right? Because when you think of each sector, you see that each one has unique yet complementary assets and strengths. The same with the genders, right? We're not the same. Men and women are not the same. There's, mm -hmm. you know, that's an obvious statement. We have <laughs> complementary strengths. You know, Peter, uh, we've talked about Say Yes, and we've talked about the round table. That work has attracted significant national investment. In fact, over $100 million 
have come to this community through the community foundation's efforts over the last um, 15 years to support these big, bold, collaborative efforts. Uh, so in addition to convening all funding partners locally to do big things together, we also bring in national funders from government and national philanthropy, uh, such as Mackenzie Scott, to invest in these big, bold, collaborative efforts to re-engineer how we work together in this community so that we can achieve better results for the people who live in Western New York. And in closing here, can you just sort of sum up the role of philanthropy? I saw a panel discussion on TV where they were discussing the role of philanthropy versus government involvement. Has philanthropy really sort of gained in status and popularity and importance in the past several years? So... Our organization, when I started here at the Community Foundation 15 years ago, we were 87 years old and we were about $150 million in assets. We are now almost $600 million in assets. Wow. That is a reflection of the generosity in this community. And we continue to grow because people in this community are bought in to the fact that there are no silver bullets, that we are the solution to our future, and that working together and strengthening relationships, um, which is really at the core of this work, really relationships are at the core of achieving big, bold goals. It's about bringing people together, building trust, dreaming together, and then working like all get out to get those goals accomplished together. So relationship is really at the core of impact and the deployment of philanthropic capital to support those big dreams. Uh, so it is, um, it's really a relate, community change is all about relationships uh, and collaboration. Those are the two words that, that really define our work at the Community Foundation. And uh, we spend all of our day uh, raising the, pla the flag for Buffalo <laughs> uh, nationally um, and internationally, talking about the great work we're doing and bringing more investors uh, to help us do this collaborative work. Well, Clotilde D. Decker, I cannot thank you enough. This has been so enlightening. As, as you said early on, all I, this does for me is remind me how little I know, and I've been in this community my whole life, but how little I know about what's happening and the incredible good that is going on right under my nose. I hope we have brought some enlightenment to people about the, the value of philanthropy and specifically philanthropy through the Community Foundation of, of Greater Buffalo. Yeah, and I what I would say, Peter, is that strong philanthropy is a team sport. Mm. And we have, speaking of teams, built an extraordinary team of committed crusaders for this community. Uh, our staff and our board are, are just a phenomenal group of individuals. We're attracted to this mission of making long-term sustainable change for this community. Our clients are part of that and our all of our colleagues in the philanthropic community, the nonprofit leaders, government partners. This is team sport. Uh, so uh, that's how we get big things to happen, good things to happen, and that's by working together. Well, Clotilde, you have filled me with hope <laughs> on this snowy morning. And I, I, I thank you so much for appearing with us on Off-Road. It has been 
enlightening and delightful. Thank you so much. My Good pleasure, Peter. Really enjoyed chatting with you as well. You Stay too. well. Bye-bye now. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. What do you mean, how would I have voted? You know how I would have voted. Don't you know me by now? Oh, and the Sabres are coming back, so at least there'll be something else to watch on TV aside from Netflix. Clotilde D. Decker and the Community Foundation of Greater Buffalo, what these people do in partnership with so many other groups to make things happen, the good deeds that these people are doing with millions of dollars, I'm telling you, if you're going to give, use the Community Foundation of Greater Buffalo to ensure that your gift keeps on giving for a long time after you are not here to give anymore. We are the solution to our future. I think that's what she said, wasn't it? So that's it for another edition of RLTP's Off-Road. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a few things. I hope you will continue to patronize our local restaurants with takeout and leave a little extra tip. Even though you're not being served, they are still serving our community. And, uh, okay, enough of the lecturing on that. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another great interview as we try to bring you, oh, a good percentage of people from the Buffalo Theater Arena and from the Buffalo Community Arena as we uh, just try to spread out. And I've got a great project coming up for the summer that you won't even believe because, frankly, I can't believe that I'm working on it myself. Not to tease you or tantalize you, but it is going to be historic. Uh, That's both a tease and a hint and an assessment. So listen, one more reminder. Make sure you support our local theaters and orchestras. I just uh, purchased some tickets for... The O'Connell and Company series, I am still enjoying every Tuesday concert with the Buffalo Philharmonic, all from the comfort of my couch. I got the fire roaring, and I am enjoying music, and I am enjoying theater. And the other day I watched the JRT presentation, the Jewish Repertory Theater, featuring Jen Stafford and Tina Rausa, and that was lovely. So if you can, and if you can afford to do it, please help out, support our local artists. And uh, if you want some merch, if you want some merch, go to the RLTP Road Less Traveled Productions webpage and get some merch. You can get a Road Less Traveled mug or a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or okay, enough of the free advertising. This is RLTP's Off-Road with me, Pete Pomisano. (laughs) 